Amen. All right, check it out. It was your average Sunday morning. People heading off to work uh, uh, and, and kids walking to school. Toddlers were riding their tricycles and under their mother's watchful care. But all that was to change in the twinkling of an eye. At 2 a.m. that very morning, a plane carrying its deadly cargo called Little Boy began its historic mission. And as expected, the ground radar detected incoming aircraft. But since there was no sign of bombers, the people on the ground thought the danger had already passed. And so the plane continued right on. Well, in fact, an hour later, exactly, the radar again spotted two B-29s and issued yet another warning for the people to head to shelter. But the people ignored it and thought, that's just another false alarm. And so precisely 16 minutes later, little boy dropped, uh, and unlike his name, he left behind a massive mushroom-shaped cloud near the center of this thriving city. The destruction was instantaneous and unbelievable. Listen, with 90% of the buildings being obliterated by 1,000-mile-an-hour winds, the loss of life was absolutely inconceivable, with 140,000 people being incinerated by temperatures above 9,000 degrees Fahrenheit. The year was 1945. The plane was the Enola Gay. The bomb was atomic. The city, of course, was... Hiroshima or Hiroshima, depending on how you want to pronounce that. But hey, folks, with all due respect, how many guys know about Hiroshima, Hiroshima, right? And how many guys would readily agree with all due respect? That's probably one of the worst disasters of all time, right, in mankind's history. And I get it, the reasons behind all that stuff, but that's not my point. My point is this. What if I were to tell you, with all due respect to those who lost their lives at Hiroshima, what if I were to tell you I know of a disaster that makes Hiroshima look like a mere firecracker, okay, with all due respect? And again, what if I were to tell you that this disaster didn't occur at just one place at one country at one time, but it's going on right now, today, all over the world, and it's been leaving a trail of death and destruction for centuries. Folks, once again, we are talking about the satanic war on the Christian, and this is the facts. Whether we like it, lump it, leave it or not, every single day, folks, we battle as Christians. We go to spiritual war every day. The moment you got saved, you entered into a spiritual war against a demonic host whose sole purpose is real, and it's really out there to destroy you and extinguish your effectiveness for Jesus Christ. And so in order for you and I to stop getting beat up and duped all over the place as Christians, we're going to continue our study on the satanic war on the Christian. Now we've already seen the first thing if you're going to win a war, what do you got to know? You got to know who your enemy is. We already dealt with that. Number two, if you're going to win a war, you need to know what your enemy is like, i.e. their character, right? We've already dealt with that. Last time we saw the third thing you need to know is the tactic of your enemy, okay? What's their goal? Why are they here? What are they up to? What angle are they going to hit us from? Why in the world are we in a war in the first place? And there we saw the first tactic, and that was the tactic of Satan. Hello, it's not good. And it wasn't just not good because his character is evil and rotten. Hello. Okay, we saw he's very methodical about his tactics against you and I. Remember that there with Methodia in the Greek there? He is literally scheming to what? To destroy us and take us down. Okay, in the church, not just in the world anymore. He's getting so bold because we don't believe in him. He's now coming into the church. And last time we saw three different ways he's doing that. With followers of Satan or Satanists, workers of Satan or witches or actually demon-possessed people, non-Christians coming into church services to take him out. This is what's going on. It's the last day's infiltration. It's really going on. It's Satan's tactic to not just come and mess things up. It's to destroy the church. Okay? But that's not all. The second tactic we need to deal with, if we're going to stop getting beat up and duped all over the places Christians in this satanic war on the Christian, is we need to take a look at what? Part two, his evil cohorts. We need to look at not just the tactic of Satan to come into the church and destroy us. We need to take a look at his evil emissaries who help him. And that's the what? The demons, folks. Satan and demons are not only real, they're really out to get us to destroy us. And listen, not just in the world. We, some of us, at least evangelical Christianity, will at least admit that. But how many of us realize, folks, they're so bold today, they're coming into the church. They're not just in our midst, as we saw last week. They're here to take control and destroy us. 
But again, as always, don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, let's take a look at this infiltration. Right in your midst, demons will rear their ugly head. Okay, Luke chapter 4, Matthew, Mark, Luke. If you find Luke, what do you do? Go to chapter 4, that's right. But uh, you guys are on the ball this morning. Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37, of course, uh, an account with Jesus, and uh, he's preaching the word of God, right? But let's go ahead and let's read that account. What happens, and where does all this take place? It's not just another account of a demon rearing its ugly head, but the point is, where is this happening, okay? It's not some occult bookstore. Where is this taking place according uh, to the word of God? Let's take a look there. Uh, at the word of God, right? But here's what Jesus has to say. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 31, okay? Verses 31, and here's what he says. Then he went into a town in Capernaum, in a town in Galilee, okay? On the Sabbath, he, Jesus, began to teach the people. And they were amazed at his teaching because his message had what? Authority, man. Can you imagine being there when Jesus preached a sermon? That's good stuff, right? right? And in, this, in the, whoa, where were they? What's the context? In the... In the synagogue, okay, there was a man possessed by, woo, by what? A demon in the synagogue? Yeah, an evil spirit. And he cried out the top of his voice when Jesus is preaching. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And the demon threw the man uh, down before them all, and they came out without injuring him. And all the people were amazed. In the Greek, their list means their minds were blown out, man. Just, whoa, this is wild, right? And they said to each other, what is this teaching with authority and power? He, Jesus, gives order to evil spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. You may be seated. Okay, but here we see once again another passage, and we see the context here. Jesus is preaching the word of God. Jesus is being glorified. He's doing it with great authority. Obviously, hello, he's God. He knows his word, right? Okay, and then here's my whole point. What happened in the middle of that? A actual demon-possessed person created a ruckus right there in the midst, okay? And again, where was the midst? It was in a synagogue. This didn't happen in the world. It wasn't in some back alley or some creepy bookstore, some occult bookstore. This was not in the middle of a Satanist meeting or a witch's coven, okay? Where did this happen? This happened right smack dab during what we would call, if you will, a church service in the synagogue, okay? And can I tell you something, folks? That was 2,000 years ago. It's happening today. It's happening in the church today on a massive scale, okay? Now, again, the context here, as we saw last week, this ain't a Christian because Christians cannot be demon-possessed. I can't belabor that enough because there's a false teaching in the church today that says Christians can. You can be externally oppressed, but you cannot be possessed internally. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is not going to scooch over in his temple, our body, a Christian, and share room with a demon. Okay, so that's clear. So obviously, you got somebody in this synagogue who did go to the synagogue service, but they're possessed by a demon, meaning that they're not saved. Now, do non-saved people come to church service today? Yes. So that's all that we're going on, but I need to clarify that. Okay, but the point is, here it is, right in the middle of the word of God being preached. Great things are taking place. Jesus is being glorified. What just couldn't help but rear its ugly head? A real life demon. I'm not making this up. This is what the text. Now, now we saw last time, that's already going on in churches. Remember that last time? If you were here, okay? Satanists and witches and demon-possessed people really are not just content being out in the world because we don't believe in them anymore. They're coming into the church. They're coming into the church. They're infiltrating the church to take us down. Now, here's my point. It isn't just Satan doing this. It wasn't just Satan didn't pop his uh, head 
at the synagogue, who was it inside that guy? It was a demon. Demons, co-workers with Satan are doing the same thing. They got the same evil tactic as Satan. They too are working to infiltrate the church, not just to mess things up, but to grab control of what we do in the church to destroy us. That's the whole point. Now, I said all that to get to this. I want to share three different ways that I'm seeing personally over the years of ministry, even today, that is happening to the American church. It's a demonic deception designed to totally take control and destroy us. Three different ways. And the first way, it's all a demonic deception, right? The first way they're seeking to destroy the church, okay, is by promoting a new service. Huh? Haven't you? I mean, you guys know attendance is down. This church is closing their doors. You got to try something new. I mean, obviously what we're doing ain't working because... Uh... Now, let's, before we get into that demonic deception, let's remind ourselves what church services are supposed to be about, Right? And then you're going to see how demons twist it to get you go down a destructive road and allow them to control what you're doing. But here's what the Bible says our services are to be about. Colossians chapter 3, 16 through 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you what? Richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom. So we preach the word of God. We teach God's, why do you think we have Sunday school and what I'm doing right now, right? You're just filling in time for that paycheck. No, that's not what it is. Who said that? Are you kidding me? We're teaching the word of God, right? No, right? That's why we do what we do as Christians. Hey, how come they always do? This is why. So what the Bible says to do. When we get together, let the word of God dwell in you richly. It's got to be taught. And as you want, what else do we do at church services? We sing. We just got finished doing that. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Notice there's a bunch of different kinds, by the way. And, and with what? Because we have to. That's just the time of the service. You got to put the bulletin down, stand up, and look like you're interested. No, because you want to. Because you got hearts that are gratitude uh, for what God has done. You love them. And whatever you do, in case you want to fill in the blank with everything else we're supposed to do, and we do do, what's it all about? Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all what? In the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, that's just one passage that just spills the beans, folks. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do what we do at church services? And in a nutshell, our church services are supposed to be all geared about who? It's all about God. It's all about him. It's all about worshiping him. It's all about his word. It's all about learning about him. We not only teach his word, we sing songs of gratitude for him, for all that he's done. It's all that we do when we gather at any time as a Christian to be for the glory of God, right? Not anymore. I mean, haven't you guys heard? I mean, this Christianity stuff's boring. Attendance is down, right? We got we to gotta do something new, man. We, we got to figure out how to bring the people in. I know we, we need to spice things up, right? Because we, our culture loves entertainment. So if we just bring in some good old-fashioned entertainment, man, the people come flocking, right? And that's what we're supposed to do. See, with sarcasm, it's pretty obvious that's a deception, right? And you might be thinking, well, come on. Nobody in the church is going to fall for a demonic deception like that. We just saw. No, what are you kidding me? It's all supposed to be about God. Who in the right mind would literally switch their services around just to please people? But hey, have you noticed this? Have you noticed the average person that goes to a church service today? What's it all about? Me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. And don't you realize that since I showed up on the premises, you are fortunate. (laughs) The very fact that I showed up this day, your day has just improved. And now, what you need to do is do everything, design that is around me because it's all about me haven't you heard me 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 right huh and you need to sing what i want to sing you need to preach what i want to preach and if you don't i'm out of here 
Now, see, we laugh, but we laugh because what? That's so stinking true, man. Everywhere. He said, whoa, I had one late. Wasn't here. It was a weird church down south. She said that. She actually came up to me after service in my face. And she, she says, don't you realize I didn't come here for this? What I wanted to say was, don't you realize the services don't revolve around you? <laughs> but that's the mentality. It's all, and if you don't do what I do, here's the problem. See, you think that nobody, nobody individually would fall for that. Well, hey, it's a trend. It's everywhere. Now, it's one thing for individuals to do that because that's on you, right? Have you noticed the trend? Churches are now catering towards it. They do. They design their, oh, it's not about Jesus anymore. Right? It's all about people. It's all about entertainment. It's what pleases them. Anything wild, anything crazy, just so they keep coming back because they're threatening to leave. Our services are supposed to be about God, preaching his word, whether people like it or not. And by the way, all his words for our good, it's not bad. That's what protects us from sin, from error, from false teaching, false teachers. But now it's all about me. Now, let me give you some examples. Every single one of these is actually going on right now today it's all because the first demonic tactic, they're controlling our services. Because when demons get us to fall for their lie, and we turn from what our gathering is supposed to be about, everything goes downhill. You're going to be destroyed. Let me give you some actual new and improved. That's right. This will bring the crowd in. New and improved church services that you can attend right now. I don't recommend, but this is what they want you to do. All right, let's take a look at that. How about the beer drinking service? Oh, hey, I wish I was making this up, but man, you talk about flocking the church. Most Christians are familiar with the biblical story of Jesus turning water into wine, but I kid you not, two New Zealand pastors are turning a pub and church complete with beer drinking during the gatherings, right? And they call it the sports bar service. Oh, by the way, it doesn't contain any sermons or singing at all. The pastors say it's going to be both a place of prayer and grab a beer. What did we just read in Colossians? They don't even try to soften the say, well, yeah, we're preaching and we're singing godly songs, but we do have beer. Yeah, forget that. They're just going straight to the beer. Oh, and it's not just over there. Another pastor in California is doing the same thing. Quote, some churches are using tactics like providing coffee and sweets, but a new church in San Jose has a different approach. That's right. It provides beer for its attendees. Pastor Jenkins said that this is where real ministry takes place. Uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, come on. I'll buy you a pint. That's what the pastor said. Can you imagine that? Excuse me? This is crazy. Well, hey, if you're going to get some beer, why don't you get a tattoo while you're at it? Hey, you, I'm not making that up either. A Michigan pastor said he's doing everything he can. That's right, to reach people who what? Who don't feel comfortable with traditional houses of worship. You know what we do? Boring. So you know what? Grab a beer and get a tattoo. That's what's going on. I wish I was making this up. That's what he did. So he opened up not just a tattoo parlor. He's got it inside the church facility. It's, oh, it's very convenient, right? In fact, he's the so-called Reverend Steve Bentley. He said his ministry is built on the belief that mainstream religion, you know, you and I, has become ineffective and what's the word? Irreverent. Oh, isn't that the word? you got to be relevant today, right? And so he's opened up with Serenity Tattoo. Let's take a look at that. Ryan Brown is the manager of Serenity Tattoo Studio in Flint Township. He never imagined he'd work at a tattoo shop in, of all places, a church. Tracy Seaback can't imagine going anywhere else to get her tattoo. It feels good to me to be able to come in here and you know, know that it's a nice, safe environment. Being home to a tattoo studio isn't the only unique thing about this church. They also host MWO wrestling events, and later on this year, they plan to bring in cage fighting. Dude, come on. We should know. We're Vegas, man. Turn to somebody and go, yeah! Cage fighting, I'll show up for that. 
and a beer and a tattoo. Not making it up. I'll get to where she go because it's all about self entertainment. Bring that crowd in. You know what I'm saying? Right? Oh, it gets worse. Hey, do the hoagie pokey. Now, see, aren't you guys nostalgic? Remember that song? Well, apparently, they aren't only singing that now. It's a movement. In fact, apparently, if you do this, according to these people, you'll get a healing on top of it. Watch this. Three weeks ago, we did a Friday Night School of the Spirit, and we saw 12 people heal the word of knowledge and 40 healed doing the Holy Ghost hokey pokey. Let's just go ahead and do that and see what the Lord does. You guys okay to do a little Holy Ghost hokey pokey? Can you lead it? All right, Brian's going to lead us in the Holy Ghost hokey pokey. You can Put your right hand in, put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you put your right hand out. You put your right hand in, you dig your right hand out. You put it in and you shake it and you shake it all about. You put your left hand in, you take your left hand out. Uh, when I started doing the hokey pokey, at first with the arms, uh, nothing, nothing real effect. But then as soon as I just start, we start doing the whole, we'll put your left foot in, your right foot in, both of my knees, you know, one at a time, I could just feel all of a sudden it's like there was no pain. Wow. All right. I know some of you guys got some joint problems. Let's get her done. But you, no, don't you even move a muscle. And Ken, stay down. Don't, what are you doing? What are you doing? You don't even get to that piano. What are you talking about? Can you believe that? Oh, but that's the tip of the iceberg, right? You know, because, hey, that's, that's just good entertainment. But, hey, we're Vegas. I, it, all these I'm going to share with you. I'm going to rip through them. These are actual services going on right now across America. The Can-Can Dance Service. That's right. This one included a lady who said the, quote, Spirit of God gave her the left leg anointing. That's right. And she kicks up her leg like a can-can dance. I'm not making this up. Okay, I wish I was. And she said, more, more, Jesus, whatever. And then people are supposedly slaying the spirit when she kicks her leg up like this in the direction of her leg. I think they got smacked in the head. But anyway, then she starts using God's name in vain and then correct herself. So that kind of tells you the spirit behind this. Uh, another service I'm not making up, the so-called minister is hissing like a serpent, sticking his tongue out, grunting loudly as he's walking through the crowd. People are in the background yelling and screaming and making animal noises because that's what we just read in Colossians. That's what you do when you gather together. It's Oh, but it gets even worse. Uh, you can go to this service, and they're squealing like pigs, dancing at a jig. I'm not making that up. There's another one. This is sick. A lady was mooing. Yeah, you know why. Uh, a lady was mooing with a, 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 like a cow, two ministers rolling around the floor beside her. That's why we gather. Are you serious? Give me a break. Uh, another one. Hey, this has got to be Christian spiritual because they were like a sheep. It's got to be from God. No, it's not. Are you kidding me? Uh, they bark like a dog. That's right. Hey, you let the dogs out. Yeah, hey, that'll bring the crowd in. They know that's Oh, yeah. Hey, I'm about to roar like a lion. Oh, that's got to be. What, what's the Bible say? Who, who's going around roaring like a lion, seeking whom to devour? Yeah, I wonder what line's behind this, okay? Oh, but it gets even more. This is evil. You know what's evil. <laughs> and I'm not making this up. Pastor, man, he, instead of preaching a boring sermon, hey, you want to bring that crowd in? You start clucking like a chicken. Now, see, you think I'm making it up. I'm not. The video quality isn't the best. It's kind of choppy, but listen to the audio. This is actually happening in pulpits across America. Watch this. Okay, now, before we take off, you know, before we go surfing, let's get the reading done. Luke, Luke, <laughs> chapter two, I tell you what, let's look at chapter one. Verse, verse, verse. 
Zacharias was a member of the Abbey. Yeah, that's something good for that kid to watch. Can you believe that? Oh, it gets even worse. Remember we saw with the drugs issue on that sermon, that study a couple weeks back? Drugs, the demonic issue behind the drugs to get people into an altered state of consciousness so they can possess people. Remember we joked about, but it's really true, they're actually having marijuana churches now, so-called marijuana churches, even here in Vegas. Okay, well, folks, now they're catering services to that kind of drug mentality, but they're calling it the Holy Spirit of God. And this is what's going on now. It's called token the Holy Ghost. Okay, they're turning into a drug mindset. This is totally demonic. But watch what these people are promoting in the church service. Not the word of God, not singing songs glorifying to him, to Jesus, none of that. It's all there about your entertainment, feeling cool, feeling cool, and feeling like you got a new drug. Teaching, te- treating God as if he were just a high. Watch this. This is crazy. What is Toki and the Ghost? This is Toki and the Ghost. <sighs> Token the ghost is simply putting your fingers together in the form of smoking a joint, but instead of smoking an illegal substance that's harmful for the body, you are inhaling the Holy Ghost with the access point of putting your fingers together looking like you're smoking a marijuana cigarette. But in fact, you are receiving impartation from Almighty God. I challenge you today that Token the Ghost is an idea from the Holy Ghost to disturb the religious strongholds, to disturb religious demons, to destroy religious spirits from hell, and to get the church into the freedom and the laws of liberty in Christ Jesus so that you may, two things, glorify God and enjoy Him. I'm at Springs of Living Water Church in Fargo, North Dakota. I'm here with John Crowder. I firmly believe in token the ghosts, right? <laughs> I have a little Jehovah Wana. And so we just, <laughs> I have to, and the thing is it's free. You just reach in your pocket, <laughs> Wow, look at what's there. You just take a little, <laughs> a little, a little whiff of the glory. And you <laughs> exhale. I'm just going to give you a little second hand right through the video screen, all right? Time and space are not an issue. This is a heavenly realm, all right? So you just access point right here. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There is no high like the most high. Hi out there in internet land. Um, I was just gonna I was just gonna take a big old glory injection off of my baby Jesus. I just took my baby Jesus and I strapped him to um, a syringe and I'm gonna just take a glory injection into my veins on the main line. Get some of that big heavy liquid heavy Weighty shooby booby juice just pumping through my veins from heaven. So, here I go. Shingy boing boing ding 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 ding. Hey, sorry, that's an appropriate ending. Can you believe that? I don't know. Maybe I'm one of those people who are stuck in those. Do you notice their words? Anybody that disagrees with this new form of service, you're of the religious stronghold, the traditionalists, the people who are demonically controlled. No, you're the one who's demonically deceived. 
But I don't know, maybe I'm just being old-fashioned, but for some, some reason, I don't know. I, I, personally, I don't think that Jesus came all the way from heaven to, to die on the cross, a uh, horrible death for our sins, so you and I could sit around in our services drinking beer, getting a tattoo, clucking like a chicken, smoking a so-called Jehovah Wana. That's blasphemous. It's supposed to be about Jesus. It's supposed to be about God's word, whether you like it or not. It ain't about you, and it's not about your entertainment. It's not about your so-called spiritual entertainment. And it's not just blasphemous. Who is the father of lies? Satan. So who do you think is behind this new way of service? It's a demonic tactic of Satan and demons to get church services to get switched around. They're no longer about the glory of God. It's not biblical. It's demonic. It's fake. It's phony. It's step one, believe it or not, all because attendance is going down to get demons to come. Listen, it's not just take control. You keep this up, you'll be destroyed. That's the ultimate tactic. But that's just number one. The second way they're coming into the church to destroy us, okay, is by promoting a new savior. Huh? I mean, haven't you guys heard that Jesus, that Jesus in the, in the Bible is just, he's just too holy. He's not relevant for the, uh, our world today, you know, and just a little bit boring. And again, you might think, no way. Okay, listen, I see you getting tricked with that service thing. You're not going to change Jesus, are you? Mm-hmm. In fact, it's already happening, folks. I'll get to that in a second. But let's remind ourselves what the Bible says our God uh, is like. And, and who he's like and who he expects us to be uh, as his children. Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And here's what he expects of his children. First uh, Peter 1, 15. But just as he, God, who is holy, so be holy in all you do, Christian. Why? Because it's written, be holy because I I, God, am holy. Now, we dealt with this for like seven weeks. Who's counting? I am. Seven weeks in our character of God study, the holiness of God. Remember that? And it's the only attribute in Scripture that's repeated three times for emphasis. Apparently, if there's one attribute that God wants you to know about him and what he wants to see in us as his children, it's he is holy, he is holy, he is holy. Right? Can we agree on that? It's all over the Scripture, okay? But no. No, no, no. I mean, haven't you guys heard? I'm sure that's got to be the reason why that the attendance is going down. How come people come, but they go? They never stay. It's because that old-fashioned Jesus, right? You not only need to switch things up and spice it up in your service, but you know you might want to make some adjustments to that Jesus. I mean, apparently he's just way too holy for the average Joe, and, and they can't connect with that. That's not relevant. Right? And so what we need to do is we need to invent a new savior for people, for our world, you know, who's sinful like us, who condones sin. In fact, who never even mentions sin. In fact, if you don't think churches are already doing that, you go to the average church service today, and what do you never hear from the pulpit? I mean, never. You never hear about sin. You don't hear about repentance of sin. You don't hear about God's hatred towards sin. He doesn't hate people, but he hates sin. God loves the world, but he doesn't condone what the world is doing. You never hear about God's hatred of sin. You don't hear about his wrath. You don't hear about hell. I call it the silent H word. Which means, guess what? You got a different Jesus. Your Jesus is not holy, holy, holy. He is unholy. And you've changed it all so that unholy people can feel comfortable. No. People need to know there's a way out of hell. 
People need to know that God is holy and we are not, myself included. Yes, we deserve to die and go to hell. But here's the good news. God is holy. He sent his holy son to die for our sins to make us holy and worthy of heaven through his sacrifice on the cross. That's what we're supposed to do when people come. But not anymore. The new and approved Jesus. Let me show you that. Unholy as you can ever believe. All just because the numbers are going down. Right? It's a demonic deception. Let's take a look at a couple examples. How about the pole dancing savior? Right? And again, I'm not making any one of these up. Okay? There's a new way, that's right, to express your faith. The second Sunday of each month, Crystal Dean leads a pole dancing course for churchgoers who, not the world, churchgoers in Texas. She says she's realized that she could use her experience as an exotic performer to help women connect with the teachings of Jesus. Even though they don't talk about Jesus or even sing songs. We'll get to that in a second. But here's the video interview. Watch this. Well, Melinda, I bet you've never heard of this one before, pole fitness for Jesus. And I know you're probably thinking, how on earth can you mix pole dancing with Jesus? Well, according to one studio up in spring, you can definitely mix the two. You're going to step in front with the inside leg. Now you are going to kick this one out. I actually, I was a dancer for three years. Okay. Um, it's probably seven years ago okay. or so. Um, I did it for a while. It's... It was not something that I felt very rewarded with, um, but to each his own, and um, it was just something I didn't really want to do anymore. So I actually decided to take the part that I liked about that and bring it here. Don't let the name of the class fool you, though. There's no prayer beforehand. There's no crosses hanging in her studio. Just to, like I said, get past the whole stigma of the whole thing. You know, I teach women to feel good about themselves. I teach them to be empowered. So here and here. And, you know, we get in really good shape. I mean, it does the legs. That's why we wear the shoes, actually. No prayer, no crosses. But for some reason, it's pole dancing for Jesus. He's not there. What are you talking about? It's just a label. But it's really going on. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. How about the ironic church service? See, that was just an individual class. How about you just do your whole service over it? I'm not making this up. Here's some actual photos of at least what I could share. Uh, people lined up for the erotic church service where a female dancer danced in the middle of the church facility right in front of the altar. That's about as clean as I can get it there. Nearly, hey, come on. You want to fill this place up? Here you go. How many people? One thousand people showed up in a thunderstorm, right, for the erotic church service. Quote, and, and the entrance, they had a caption that said, a warm welcome to the vineyard of love. Then a man came to the microphone and stated, that's right, in case you don't get this, this is an erotic church service. Can you move a little bit closer together, all of you? Oh, it gets even worse. Then the so-called faithful were asked to take part in an anointing ritual, which they sh uh, should massage the forehead and the hands of the person sitting next to them. Right? And then they announced, I kid you not, eroticism and lust are not taboo, pushed aside by God. Quote, lust has to be lived out. That's not what God says. He is holy, he is holy, he is holy. He expects us to be the same. And this is what you're announcing in your so-called service? That's supposed to be about Jesus, the Savior? It's crazy. And then one person visited, hey man, this is how church services should be. Yeah, if you listen to demons and you want to be destroyed, right? Oh, how about the transgender? You knew it was coming, right? Now it's happening. First it was the homosexuals, right, being admitted in behind the pulpit. Now it's going to stage two. And there's denominations that are doing that right now, okay? And this is coming years. It's step-by-step -step destruction of the church, not just in the pews. Now it's going into the pulpit, okay? And this is just one uh, uh, denomination, so-called Christian. Excuse me, it's not. Uh, it's called part of their, quote, non-discrimination policy. You know what that Can I translate that for you? We will not follow this. That's what that means. 
We will not follow the word of God. We not only won't teach it, but we won't follow it. But it's a non-discriminating. Now, why would you do that? Because you'll get a lot of people to come. I've said this, I don't care how many times. Listen, excuse, I don't care if you've got a church, quote, facility full with 5,000 people. But if only five know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, what in the world did you just accomplish? Are you trying to encourage people to go to hell? Because that's what you're doing. Non-discrimination? You're not helping people, you're hurting people, right? Oh, and then they're saying, you think this is bad now? They're going to go into polygamy. Mormons are having a heyday with this. Okay, they're going into polygamy, multi, because once you mess with male, female, God's definition of marriage, anything goes, and it's already in court for polygamy. Oh, and mark my words, if we're still alive and the rapture doesn't happen before, guess what's coming next? Bestiality and pedophilia. And I just saw an article this week, necrophilia is also starting to show, what? But that's exactly what Romans 1 said as we dealt with before. Once you go down this route and you don't turn around, you keep approving this stuff, you go into the third and final stage, you get a depraved mind, and you start doing things you ought not to be done. And that's what's happening. We opened up Pandora's box, we violated the scripture, and it's getting worse and worse as you go. And this is exactly what's coming into the church. Now, flat out, now they're going to the occult. Right? And this is an actual experience. Listen, new age occult. And listen to the reason why. The Church of England hosted a New Age Festival, a what? New Age Festival, where it opened its doors. They allowed this to come in to what? To tarot card readers, crystal healers, meditation experts, and so-called dream interpreters. Everybody wants to know what that dream meant, right? Huh? The church, listen, is what? In trouble, and attendance has fallen for the sixth year in a row. So, hey, don't preach God's word and have a revival like we sing about. No, bring in the occult. What Jesus do you got? You got the wrong one, man. And so they decided to do that, to hold this festival, to embrace alternative forms of Christianity. But that shouldn't be surprising because another church stated, quote, Harry Potter is a Christ-like figure because he promotes biblical values. That's a direct quote. Oh, no, media doesn't have an effect on us. Remember that study? You know, whatever. And a so-called Protestant church in California teamed up with a high priestess of the pagan fertility goddess worship called Isis to help them in their guided meditations in their latest so-called church conference. Now they're merging with pagan religions. Absolutely crazy. And so you say, well, what's next? A new age service? Yeah, now it's all combined into one, just one worldly, new age, whatever. Let me give you an example of one of those actual so-called church services out there. Watch this. Namaste. I'm the spiritual leader of the community, Loving Spirit community. Um, we have opened a center in Madison called the Center for Conscious Living. At the Center for Conscious Living, we do a variety. We have a variety of events that happen during the course of the week, um, starting with Sunday morning, our Sunday morning, what we call our celebration of life, community gathering. Um, we do some chanting, some singing, some honoring of spirit in each other. Um, I get to do my little metaphysical rant, depending on what birds are my saddle that particular week. do a guided meditation, um, allowing people to come on, a, on an inward journey that I facilitate. Feeling yourself em emerging from this darkness, which has become light. Once again into a universe of swirling, colorful energy.
see our function here as encouraging, facilitating, and inspiring people to awaken to their true nature, to their spiritual nature, so that they can incorporate that perspective and that point of view into their daily lives to make their human experience more meaningful and more joyful. First of all, notice how they got rid of all Christianese, traditional Christian words, right? It wasn't a worship service, it's a celebration of life. Oh, oh and we're not a church. <laughs> no, we're a center of a conscious living or whatever that was. Oh, and by the way, for those of you who don't realize, and those of you who weren't here for our six-week study on Hinduism on Wednesday nights or a 12-week study on New Age, uh, namaste, you know what that is? It's a Hindu greeting, all right, but here's what the, the word means. In namaste, it means I bow to the God in you. That's what that means. So when you saw those people in a so-called service, they're bowing. I, I acknowledge the God. You're, I don't know. I'm just one of those traditionalists. But I'm kind of thinking that I don't know. I just it's, it's, it's not sitting well with me. I don't think that Jesus came all the way from heaven to die a horrible death on the cross for a sin so we could sit around, listen, how many erotic church services getting our palms red, saying a Hindu farewell, saying, you're God. What kind of Savior you got? You ain't got the biblical one. Who is holy, who is holy, who is holy. And it's all happening right now. Jesus has a zero tolerance for sin. And you cannot refashion him in your image. If you do, it's called an idol, and that is a sin. Now, before I close out on this section, because that was kind of like a new agey, one world, eclectic kind of thing, service, whatever. I've been sitting on this thing for months waiting for a, a portion of the study where it would fit, and I think it fits right here, okay? Take it for what it is, but I'm going to share with you a picture that I got, and the only reason why I share this picture is because I know the source. You can't trust everything on the Internet. Is that Photoshopped or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I know directly where this came from, okay? And this is from a church service. It was taken during a church service, a Sunday evening church service, in a church that's into this new-agey kind of twisted stuff going on, right? So that's the context, right? It's not a healthy church. It's unfortunately into this stuff. But the picture I'm going to share with you, let me explain to you uh, what's going on. It came from a lady uh, called Christine, and it was taken in this church service in Arizona. The guy on the left side in the gray jacket there uh, is the, uh, uh, one guy. The one on the right with the red shirt, that's her husband, Christine's husband. And she took this photo, and uh, she completely forgot that she even had it. She's snapping off some photos, right? And it turns out that the guy on the left jacket there and uh, he died four months after this photo was taken in a very mysterious death. Uh, there was a knock at his door. He answered the door, and they blew him away. And the cops never found out who it was. They think it was some sort of a drug thing, which, hey, demons are involved in that too. Okay. And uh, what well, she completely forgot about was she heard that he had passed away. The family didn't have many current photos of the guy in the jacket there. And so she said, oh, I'll help the family out. She goes, that's right. I took some pictures uh, four months back. And uh, so she sent him, just sent him over to the funeral home, uh, the pictures that she took on her phone with this guy to help the family out. Well, she then gets contacted by the funeral home, and they grilled her. They says, who are you? Who took these pictures? What did you take them on? Where were you at when you took them? And she's going, and she told him it was her and all this stuff in the context. She goes, what's the big deal? She says, you need to take a look at what you got on your photos. And again, the only reason why I share this is because I know where this came from. You can't trust everything on the internet, okay? But if you step back and you take a look here, uh, behind these two guys, there's something black back there. 
And the only reason why it caught my attention is because you guys uh, know my testimony. Remember I shared Harry when I was involved in the occult? Apparitions would start to manifest, black apparitions, and I always see them out of the corner of my eye. It happened so often, we named the one Harry. This is the first time since before I got saved that I saw something akin to this. This is what she photographed. Now, let me zoom in a little bit there, and you can take a look there. Unfortunately, you're going to have to get the video to get a much better quality than what's going on here. But if you can't really see it here, but let me go over here. But you'll have to get the video, but you see up here what looks like two beady eyes. You see like a hand thing that's coming out here, okay? Like it's some sort of a claw-looking thing, okay? A little bit more zoomed in, whatever. But this is just what happens to be, okay, behind this guy who dies mysteriously shortly after this in a so-called church service. And in it's not just a so-called church service, but a so-called service that is into this same kind of false teaching, demonic, new agey kind of stuff. really going on so that tells me that people in the church today are not only falling for these demonic teachings but the demons are not only so bold that they're coming in they're not only deceiving people to change the services to grab control apparently when you get into that and you go that deep they're so bold they're starting to manifest how would you like to be a part of that church folks this is really going on i'm not making this up and again i tell you the only reason why i share that is because i know where that came from otherwise i can't trust nothing is that photoshopped or whatever mm -mm. Not in that case. But one more to go. The third way that they're seeking to destroy the church is a new experience, right? Oh, you just need to know what it's all about. Because remember, it's all about you, right? And you come, you've had a hard week, right? Don't you just want to let it all hang out and feel good and have goosebumps on top of your goosebumps? Isn't that why we're here? Well, but again, before we take a look at that demonic tactic, let's remind ourselves of what it's supposed to be about when we gather together. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. Therefore, Paul says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on what? On wine. Why? Because that leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with what? You want to be inebriated? Literally in the Greek, you want to be under the control of something? Don't let it be alcohol. Let it be the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God control you. That's what he's talking about there. Okay? Speak to one another with what? Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. To who? Who's it about? The Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. So once again, we see the Bible says the best thing when it specifically comes to music in our services, okay, the best thing we could ever do is what? Praise God with it. Every time when we gather together, that music is to be about God. It's to be God glorifying, God honoring, God exalting. Why? Because we love him. And again, we're just so stinking thankful for all he's done for us. We're just singing a love song to Jesus. That's what it's supposed to be. Not anymore. I mean, come on, guys. This is the, I mean, are you serious? Are you going to still sing those traditional songs? Are you still going to sing songs that's all about Jesus and God and the Bible? I mean, are you trying to run people off? That's bad marketing. You need to switch your music to what they like, right? They're, you know, because it's all about them, right? You don't want them to leave, do you? What they like in their genre and, and gut it of, of the name of Jesus and switch it to something just generic and something that makes you feel happy and fluffy. And that. Now, again, I don't have time to go into this too much, but we've seen this before. Isn't that what's happening in the church today? The songs are completely messed up. In fact, they're not even about Jesus anymore. In, in fact, even if they want to do it, it's, it's generic terms. It's he, him. And I'm sitting there going, well, first of all, what's... Jesus, you can say it, it's not illegal, right? But who are you singing about? Well, I don't want people to get offended. Offended? <laughs> what are you talking about? The, the song's supposed to be on him. It's a love song to him. This is not entertainment for you. 
It's a love song to him. Who are you singing about? He, him? Is that your husband? Is that your father? Is that your fiance? Who's him? And I've said this before. I really think that aspect of worship being gutted specifically of the name of Jesus, give me a break. You know that spiritual warfare. Because the Bible is clear. There's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved. No wonder nobody's getting saved. Number two, listen. There's no other name under heaven that demons must cower, obey, and flee. So if you're a demon and you're actually walking around like that photograph in the church service, what's the last name you ever want to hear? What's the last name you want to see people singing with hearts filled with love? Jesus, because you can't stay in that room. So that's number one. Number two, what they've done is, oh, it's not just gut it so everybody feels comfortable. No conviction, no Jesus, no God, no Bible, just happy fluff songs. But you really got to demonstrate how spiritual you are and show people just the depth of your spirituality. By the new and improved experience that you are now having, because you're so super spiritual, unlike the rest of us. And they've combined that with the music experience, right? It's supposed to be about Jesus, is not anymore. And then they, they get the music going. And then the way, apparently, that you are to prove how spiritual you really are, unlike the rest of those traditionalists, is you need to jump up and down. You need to scream and shout and sway back and forth and dance and go crazy and wild. And I'm talking for at least a good 45 minutes to an hour. Look at that person. Wow, they haven't stopped doing this the whole time. They've got to be godly. No, they aren't. It's not about you. It's not about your experience. It's not about you drawing attention to you and your so-called experience. It's about Jesus. Now, before we continue, let me state on record, I don't have a problem personally with showing emotions in a church service, even during the music time. Okay, Although I will... Admit, if Bobby got up here and started rolling around the floor, we'd lay hands on him. Yes, the Bible says, lay hands on my brother. Okay. And, but seriously, I don't believe that clapping is illegal. Raising your hands will invite the judgment of God. <laughs> no, it won't. I'm not going that far. But this ain't what's going on today. And I remember after I got saved, getting out of New Age, God rescued me from New Age and from the occult. And I'm going to some church services, and they're still going on today. And I'm going, you got to be kidding me. That was stuff that I used to do, listen, to get into an altered state of consciousness so that something can inhabit me and speak through me. It's called possession. So let me share you that parallel. First of all, let's take a look at the physical movements that the occult does to get people into an altered state of consciousness. It's not just with drugs or hypnotism. It's also repetitive movement. Let's take a look at that. During these uh, sessions, it's a very strange environment. People speak in tongues, they yell and they scream, they talk in foreign languages. It's like a madhouse, and it's real crazy. Everyone bouncing around on foam pads, flying up in the air. Rajneesh is one of India's most controversial gurus, largely because of his endorsement of shocking sexual practices as a prerequisite for salvation. His brand of yoga called dynamic meditation is a new age combination of Hinduism and psychotherapies. This exercise involving rigorous breathing and hyperventilation is designed to arouse the serpent force called Kundalini, which the gurus believe lies coiled at the base of the spine.
The next phase, the screaming phase of dynamic meditation, feels like when you finally had an opportunity to throw a tantrum when you were a little kid. By the time you get to the third phase of jumping up and down and yelling hoo, you're hardly there at all. And so it's pretty hard to remember what happens when you're there. I guess the closest thing I can associate it with is mindlessness. You get to a place where your mind actually leaves your body. Your body's just jumping up and down and your voice from your gut is yelling who and you're not doing it anymore. You become one with this whole energy. The next phase in dynamic is the quiet space. Someone yells stop and you've just been doing 30 minutes of intense catharsis. And what happens after being in such incredibly intense movement for so long is just a feeling of peacefulness and stillness. My mind actually stops and I feel a oneness with the whole universe. Hmm. So that's the physical means of technique that the occult uses to get people into an altered state of consciousness. Have you noticed some services lately? I've been watching this for 20-some years, folks. It's still going on today. And it's not just going on. It used to be an aberration. Now, you know what you and I are being told? We're old-fashioned. If you want to be really spiritual, then you need to do this. But let's do a little parallel of what we're seeing today. How do you get into an altered state of consciousness? Well, the first phase, according to what we just saw, Hindu followers first began with a form of what? Repetitive movement, right? Put some music in the background, right? That's the technique. That's step number one. And you do it for a long time, an extended period of time. They did it for a half an hour there. Well, hey, you go to some church service today, and people are what? Repeatedly running around. That movement, jumping up and down, swaying back and forth to the so-called beat of worship music. That's interesting. And second phase, we saw the Hindu followers started to speak forth in a repetitive phrase, uh, what they call a mantra, over and over and over and over and over again until it became mindless. Well, hey, you go to some church service today, what are they doing? People say they're speaking forth a repetitive phrase, a chorus line, over and over and over again, or a supposed unknown language, again and again and again and again. During the same time, the third phase, the Hindu followers started to she, uh, shout re repeatedly over and over again as a way to release themselves from reality and separate themselves. And you go to services today, and what are the people doing? Just yelling, shouting, screaming, letting it all hang out, right? And they're so-called worship of God. Woo, they've got to be spiritual. And, and then the fourth and final phase, when they get possessed, the Hindu followers, uh, uh, they have a ceasing of all activities so as to feel a connection with the spirit world, Right? Folks, I put it all together. After some services, after you're being requested, after a prolonged period of repetitive movement, repetitive speaking, repetitive shouting, then all of a sudden, what's the guy on the stage do? Stop! The Holy Spirit is here. Don't you feel him? And I always wanted to be in one of those services and stand up and go, He never left! He's omnipresent! Exact four ways to get people into an altered state of consciousness. Why? Because we saw before, that's when you become really open to being possessed by a demon. Now, again, we're talking non-Christians. Do non-Christians go to church services? Right? Do sometimes they look religious? Yeah. Do they know Christianese? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they're born again. Now, if you think that this isn't really causing people listen demons don't just want to come in 
just like Satan. They don't just want to take over and control. They want to destroy. And they want to literally get to the point where they are now possessing the people who are supposed to be so-called Christians. And this is one of the techniques they're doing. So let's take a look at what happens when somebody gets engaged in this behavior. You tell me if this doesn't open up the door to full-blown demonic possession. Let's take a look. I want to show you some of the shocking things and, and just how similar they are to the kundalini cults of Hinduism and the New Age movement, Eastern religions. Um, the stuff that's been invading in the last, say, 16 to 17 years, I believe it's the worst invasion in church history became known as the Toronto Blessing, went worldwide under that name, the Toronto Blessing. Everybody knew what that was about, people falling down, acting drunken, laughing hysterically, shaking uncontrollably, or uh, jerking backwards and forwards, their, their head shaking back and forth, people even roaring like lions, people making animal noises. Um, you know, this stuff had not been seen in the church. I mean, it may be in a tiny way on the fringes. This stuff had never been seen in the church on this scale before, and it invaded worldwide. So all around the world, especially in the Commonwealth countries, we're talking England and all through the UK, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Canada, and many other nations all over the world, all through Europe, all of the charismatic movement was into this stuff uh, for the large part. And so this thing became a worldwide sensation just in a couple of years. Now the basic question that we're asking in this documentary is why are these manifestations so similar to Eastern religions and Hinduism and the Kundalini cults and yet they're not found in scripture, they're not found in the Bible, they're not found in classical Christianity at all. <laughs> of course, in Hinduism, one of the most common ways of experiencing a kundalini awakening is through a guru placing his hand upon your forehead. This is called Shaktipat. And when they do that, you'll be infused with this incredible love and this wave of emotion. You'll fall down. There'll be all these manifestations, maybe animal noises, uh, joy and weeping and shaking. This is a kundalini awakening. And amazingly, it is exactly the same as what we have been seeing in the Toronto Blessing. Now, one of the very clearest signs of a kundalini awakening has always been these kriyas. You see this woman involved in the New Age movement. She's walking along, exhibiting these kriyas happening, involuntary uh, jerking motions. And the staggering thing about it is that we are seeing again and again and again these exact same type of kriyas right through the Toronto movement. This has always been one of the clearest signs of Kundalini that we know of. A friend of mine from South Africa who's done a tremendous amount of research on this topic says that Kundalini is like a false Holy Spirit. It produces even miracles and healings and fusions of love and power and energy and emotion and uh, all these kinds of things and yet it's the Hindu version of the Holy Spirit and it's not holy.
I wonder if that's what it looked like 2,000 years ago when Jesus was preaching his sermon. And, and, you know, the opening text. What a way to wrap things up. And what happened? This this demon-possessed guy manifested himself. I wonder if it looked something like that. You know what the difference is today? Tell me things are not twisted and the church has fallen for a demonic tactic in the last days. When a demon manifested itself in the service that Jesus was at 2,000 years ago, boom, he rebuked it in his name, commanded him to flee, get out of here. But it's so twisted in the church today, listen, you and I are old-fashioned. That's the new spirituality we need to follow. Can you believe that? What a demonic tactic in these last days to destroy the church. Folks, this is really going on, and we need to really deal with it. We need to stop being ignorant of the devil and the demon schemes and get our head out of the sand. There's a war going on. It ain't just abroad. It's right here in our own country. It's the cosmic battle for the souls of men and women all around us. The stakes are high, and there's millions of lives at risk. And if we're going to win this war, then we, the American church, need to once again shine for Jesus Christ and do what he says and worship him who is holy, who is holy, who is holy. This is no time to be denying the tactic of demons. We need to wake up. The alarm has sounded. We're under attack. It's a satanic war on the Christian. Don't let the enemy get you. Amen? Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, we don't even want to admit that. So, once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to, to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let, let, let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, how many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, you shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ? The only name, the Bible says, under heaven that men might be saved. We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin, then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. 
God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more, the Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of ten of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You will be forced to admit what He already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven in that state. You're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, He says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins, against Him. And you could actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and, and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail, but believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extends to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done. All of it. Even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today because tomorrow may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly.
And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.